Welcome to 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett. And oh boy, oh boy, has it finally happened. Debo Samuel and the San Francisco 49ers have agreed to a contract extension, a three-year, 71.5 minimum, 73.5 maximum million dollar contract, 58.1 million dollars guaranteed. Ladies and gentlemen, Debo Samuel will be a San Francisco 49er this year, in 2022. He will also be a San Francisco 49er until 2025. The deal is finally done. We can all relax. All the drama of trade requests, all the drama of scrubbing his Instagram and his social media, it's all over with. We can relax. Debo Samuel is and will be a San Francisco 49er for what seems like the duration of Trey Lance's rookie contract. That's great news for San Francisco, and it's great news for the fan base, and also, and even more so, it's great news for Kyle Shanahan and Trey Lance. So let's kind of break down, not where this deal started, but let's kind of look at the timeline here. So we all know Debo Samuel wants a new contract, had one of the best seasons ever, and I mean ever. Last year, Debo Samuel averaged 10.8 yards of yak. He also had an historically just insane season, 1,500 receiving yards and 500 rushing yards. We all know how important he was and still is to this offense. It seemed like towards the end of the year, he was the offense for San Francisco. And I just want to give you some more stats before we get into the talking points. Debo Samuel, in 2021, 54th in routes run, 26th in targets. Doesn't seem like a high number, but 5th in receiving yards. And since Debo Samuel was drafted in 2019, he ranks number one in the NFL in yards after the catch. You want to talk about maybe the first yak, bro, I get Kittle was there in 2017, but the first player uh, for San Francisco that really ignited the push for yak, which I mean Garoppolo, it's kind of Debo Samuel. Now we know the importance again, uh, running the ball, playing wide back. Will he play that? I don't know. It seems like Kyle Shanahan and him uh, had a meeting. Shanahan said they're squared away. Just a great day for the 49ers, and even a great day for Trey Lance more specifically, because in Trey Lance's two and a half games, his 10 quarters of football, Debo Samuel has 10 catches for 226 yards and three touchdowns. Again, this deal doesn't just affect you know, what Kyle Shanahan can do offensively, whether he's playing wide back or receiver, it really does affect the comfortability in the offense as a whole when it comes to star power and explosiveness on the field. But again, let's look at where this all started. So Debo Samuel requests a trade. We're sitting here thinking, oh, I don't know, is he going to sign? Is It seems like Debo Samuel wants out. Now, I think many of us thought, well, it's just a a tactic you do in negotiations. And that's all it ended up being. Uh, the, The severity of Debo Samuel's contract, or excuse me, trade request doesn't seem to be too high. But again, it's only a three year deal. Things could change. But right now, Debo Samuel is a San Francisco 49er and will be a San Francisco 49er. Now, the contract itself is comparable to the other Tory Danny, that's Debo Samuel's agent, his other uh, reps. So, 
A.J. Brown, four years, $100 million, 57.2 guaranteed. D.K. Metcalf, who just signed last week, three years, $72 million, 58.2 guaranteed. And Debo Samuel, three years, $73.5 million maximum, 58.1 guaranteed. We'll obviously figure out how much is fully guaranteed. A.J. Brown got 40 million fully guaranteed. DK Metcalf got 31 million fully guaranteed. I would assume Debo Samuel is either going to fit right in the middle of that or he will surpass AJ Brown by just a few million dollars. Every time a receiver signs, they want to become the highest paid guy. I would assume Debo Samuel said, I'm better than AJ Brown. I'm better than DK Metcalf. I want to have the most money guaranteed of the three Tory Dandy uh receivers that he represents. So again, what this means for San Francisco. Uh, I was at training camp this past week for only a handful of days. Uh, and Debo Samuel was out there. He was in good spirits. He was running around by himself doing individual drills. This this never seemed like, at least in my, again, my few days at training camp, that he was holding out or he was angry or he was pissed off. It seemed like Debo Samuel... Now, all along, despite the trade request, knew he was going to be a, a Niner. He, and Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, they they kind of steered this thing in the right direction. They answered all the media questions correctly of the me and Debo Samuel have talked, we're excited to get this thing done. You know, They played the PR game, and they held firm. I think cr- uh, credit is due to Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, and even Prague uh, Marate, uh, for holding firm. They said, look, you want out of here? Too bad. You want to get traded? Too bad. Like they said, no, you're our star receiver, and we're going to we're going to hold on to the kind of motto, the kind of method they've held on to since they got here. If you perform well, we're going to reward you. You know, it's not the first time an agent has said, "I want out." Raheem Mostert said, "Pay me or I'm out." They paid him. Eric Armstead, George Kittle, Fred Warner, all those guys have been up for contract extensions. They showed out. And the Niners paid up. This was always going to happen. was always going to be the plan unless Debo Samuel threw a fit. Obviously, that did not happen. Uh, Debo Samuel was not banging on the door saying, get me out of here now. It was more of a, a contract negotiation tactic. It was hold out as long as you can. Uh, but the Niners wanted to get this thing done before Monday. Before July 30, oh, excuse me, before August 1st, wow, the days are flying by. Before August 1st, uh, when the Niners put pads on in practice, the shoulder pads are going to be on, a contact can be made to a further extent as it was last week in the first week of training camp. The Niners wanted to get this thing done. Uh, those were the kind of the rumors, the talk of the town, the water cooler speak among reporters at training camp. Uh, that was what they were saying, you know, amongst themselves, a little bit to myself. It was kind of like the Niners want to get this thing done. Uh, they're tired of waiting. And not like they're tired of, like, you know, talking or negotiating. They want to get Debo Samuel in the door because it benefits him and it benefits them. The more he can build chemistry with Trey Lance, uh, the quicker he can build chemistry with Trey Lance, the quicker Trey Lance can have his full repertoire of weapons on hand. And that also goes for Kyle Shanahan the better. The more this team is together, the nucleus of a core, Lance, Ayuk, Kittle, Debo, the more they're together, the better this team can be. Uh, and just a good day for Debo Samuel and the Niners to get this thing done. They can put this thing behind them 
and really move on from what seemed like it could have been a bad situation. I look back on the offseason, and I, I, I remember the, the the leaked video of Debo Samuel's mom and Debo Samuel talking on the phone to his agent about how what A.J. Brown got. It just looked like it was going to be messy. It looked like at a certain point this thing could turn bad. But thankfully, the Niners, they, they stood pat, they stood true to what they know is the right way to how to handle things when it comes to negotiations. And they and they knew. Look, Debo Samuel wants to be here. He may not want to, you know, be in San Francisco forever, but that's not what they're saying. You know, John Lynch has said this deal was always going to be budgeted for, whether Jimmy Garoppolo is here or not. And that was a true statement. This deal was budgeted for. Now, obviously what a team wants and what a player wants may differ. Uh, you know, there was rumors that Debo wants to go play in you know, back in Carolina, and that could be true. And if you look at how this deal is structured, only three years, uh, Debo Samuel will re-hit free agency, I believe, just before or in his year of uh, the age of 30. So he will hit free agency at the age of 30. Okay, he'll likely have, depending on how long he wants to play, potentially you know another large contract uh, coming his way at that time. Uh, but also that is uh the the fifth year option for Trey Lance. So he will get the majority of Trey Lance's rookie deal. Uh you know, he will play with Lance during the duration of his rookie deal. And once then he might know, hey, is Lance the real deal? Is the Niners or are the Niners, you know, still uh, competing? You know, there are a lot of questions and a lot of things can change in three years. And by that time, Debo Samuel could be a a champion. He could be a Super Bowl champion. He could be, you know, one of the highest paid receivers. And he might say, look, I just finished my contract. I want to get paid again. And by that time, the ascension of Brandon Ayuk and Jawan Jennings and Danny Gray and whoever else San Francisco brings in might change that conversation. But let's focus on right now, Debo Samuel is still a San Francisco 49er. And it's funny because I want to give a shout out to Sheena Quick. Uh, she's a beat reporter uh, for the Carolina Panthers, I believe, and she first reported that the Niners wanted to get this thing done, and it seemed like momentum was moving forward towards this deal being done over the weekend. Now, I don't know where she heard that from. I don't know what sources she has, but she was right on the nose. She had a feeling, she had a source that told her, look, this thing is gaining momentum, it's going to be done soon. Now, I think we all kind of had an idea that uh, the Niners wanted to get this thing done sooner rather than later. By the way, they talked about things from what I've heard. Uh, but Sheena Quick knew <laughs> this thing was coming. Uh, and good on Tory Dandy getting Debo paid. He deserves it. Uh, I don't think I don't think many fans said when they saw the deal that oh that's too much. It was like finally we finally paid our guy. And for the next three years, there's going to be some you know, contract security. There's not going to be talks of trades and rumors and, and releases and stuff like that, but it's good for Debo. It's good for the Niners. It's good for Trey Lance. And really, when it comes down to what this deal means, what it really means is the Niners as a whole are committed to, and they've shown this, it's not just about Debo, it's about Kittle and Armstead and Warner uh, and eventually Nick Bosa. It's about they are committed to to elongating their success. They're not in this thing, you know, for a one-hit wonder. They want to have a dynasty. They, they want to reestablish the 49er dynasty. 
that was in the 80s and part of the 90s was Steve Young. They want to reestablish that. Uh, obviously, selfishly, they want to win championships over and over and over again, but again, I talked about it plenty of times. John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan made it a point to tell the fan base a message to the fan base that we're going to bring this franchise back to its winning ways, and you know how you do that? You bring back your stars. You bring back guys like George Kittle, like Eric Armstead, you know, like Fred Warner, and like Debo Samuel, and eventually like Nick Bosa. And sometimes there are casualties along the way to Forrest Buckner. I'd love you to be here, but this team is far better off than the Colts are. Like, I don't think you can say they aren't. Like, the Niners team... Yes, you had Buckner. It's probably a little better. But that being said, uh, if Buckner was here, they ain't paying Armstead. They ain't paying Kittle. They ain't paying Warren. They ain't paying Debo Samuel. It all comes down to that stuff. And it tells me that this, again, this regime is ready to go. They're ready to pay their stars what they deserve, reward them. I mean, Kyle Shanahan said in his press conference, the guys are underpaid. Like, if they had it their way, they'd pay these guys more money. So I don't think money was ever really the issue when it comes to what they wanted to pay Debo. But what it came down to is what can we actually pay Debo. And I think this deal benefits both sides. They get to save some money. Now we don't know the exact structure of the contract of how much he's making this year and the years afterwards. But that being said, Debo Samuel has the sixth highest uh, uh, average per year. So money per year essentially Debo Samuel is now the 6th highest paid running back when it comes to APY average per year. Going from top to bottom, Tyreek Hill, $30 million. Devontae Adams, $28 million. DeAndre Hopkins, $27.3 million. Cooper Cup, $26.7. AJ Brown, $25. And Debo Samuel, $24.5 million. Again, this deal benefits both sides. The Niners get to maximize... Having Trey Lance on a rookie contract, and let's say Debo Samuel flames out, or by that time Lance has you know has reached heights that we hope he can be, they can at that point do what Kansas City just did and prioritize resigning Brandon Ayuk and then having young guys around him, or bringing back Debo Samuel and letting Ayuk go. Obviously, I'm not saying I want to move anybody else. I'm just saying that. You know, this gives them the flexibility to then make moves down the road. And it also allows them, again, to capitalize on what this whole... Like, what was the whole point of of trading up for Trey Lance? To sign the, the guys who already have better stars and maximize this, this rookie quarterback contract window. Doing this does that. It literally gets them to the end or near the end of Trey Lance's contract. His first contract. His cheapest contract, most likely, in the NFL and they get to have their star receiver and potentially build another one next to him. This is a win-win for both teams. Now, again, I don't know what Debo Samuel's role in the offense is going to be. I don't think Kyle Shanahan's someone that's going to let a a player dictate how he uses them. Like, imagine it's week seven, and Kyle Shanahan calls Debo Samuel in and goes, look, I need you to run the ball three times, and Debo Samuel says, well, I don't know. In my contract, we're up against it. We can't. I only have two more attempts in me. That Kyle Shanahan's not that guy. He'll look at you and say, you know, you sit your ass down. Like he's not going to do that. And so, I think they're going to balance this thing out with you know fully guaranteed money. Like I said earlier, it's either going to 
be pretty close to AJ Brown's forty million dollars, or it's going to be, or it's going to surpass that. Because how do you make someone happy who is worried about elongating their career or their usage? Will you just pay him more money up front? We're still going to use you how we like to, that being the wide back role or this hybrid receiver running back role. But now instead of giving you, you know, $25 million guaranteed, $50 million guaranteed, or whatever the, the price may be, how about we give you $45 million fully guaranteed? I mean, money speaks, money talks. That's, that's, that's the saying, right? Well, m- money will talk in this situation. And I would not be surprised if San Francisco said, or even Kyle Shanahan said, look, I- I'm not playing the whole I can't use you how I like to way. Like, this is my offense. You know, Kyle Shanahan, he's a star here. He's a genius, right? There's no way he's going to let a player dictate how he uses them in the offense. At that point, he'll say, well, I'm sorry, you're gone. And the smart thing the Niners did was they essentially took away a large chunk of Debo Samuel's leverage after the NFL draft. As soon as the draft was said and done and they were like, well, wait, he wants to get traded. That's, that's when the request was put up. The Niners said, no. As soon as the draft is over with, you know we're not trading you for picks next year. It's not happening. And so Debo had to come to the table again and go, look, like now I have to be serious. You know, I have to actually negotiate this thing and figure this thing out and actually come down from maybe some of the some of the demands he had. And so again, it's a win-win. The Niners won, Debo Samuel won. It's the best of both worlds, Hannah Montana style. Like, this is a good thing for both teams. It's a good thing. And it's not even a just a good thing for Debo and Shanahan and Lance. It's also a good thing for the defense. Going up against Debo Samuel every day in practice, you know, there are guys like Traverius Ward, Emmanuel Mosley. Going up against Debo Samuel makes them better. And what's the one thing that you want to be if you're an athlete, the best you possibly can be. And how do you do that? You practice and you play against the best, and now they get to practice and play against the best. How do you prepare for Cooper Cup? Do you go against Jawan Jennings and Danny Gray all day? I mean, those guys can definitely give you something to work with, but it's a little different when you line up against Debo Samuel. The things he can do offensively, how he's utilized, it can help you you guard against a guy like Cordell Patterson, Cooper Cup, Stefan Diggs, Allen Robinson. Like, those are big names in this division. How do you tackle someone like DK Metcalf? Well, you practice against Debo Samuel, who's even probably harder to take down. Like, that's what you do in practice. And again, it's the perfect timing for this thing. He doesn't have to practice for the entirety of training camp, took a week off, did his own stuff, maybe got back in shape. I'm not saying he was out of shape, but, you know. You work out a little different in the offseason than you do during the year. He probably got back in shape, got his body right, doesn't have to practice for 15 days, 20 days, only has to practice for like two weeks, then preseason starts, and guess what? Everything's fine, the offense is installed, and Trey Lance can relax. He can kind of build that chemistry up again. Kyle Shanahan knows you know, how he can use guys, where he can put guys, and what the offense will actually look like. And guys like Ayuk and Jennings and Danny Gray now have their leader back in the building. Like, all this stuff matters. 
and the Niners did the right thing here. Debo Samuel did the right thing here. He had no leverage outside of I'm one of the best receivers in the NFL. Pay me. San Francisco said, we're going to pay you, but on our time, they got this deal done. It aligns with what they did with Kittle and Warner, made them wait a little bit. You know, had them both show up to camp and said, look, let's negotiate. Let's sit down in person. The one thing Kyle Shanahan kept saying was, it's hard to have these conversations over the phone. It's hard to have these conversations not in person. And so I think San Francisco did the right thing. They waited. They wanted to get Debo back in California, back at the facility, sit down face-to-face and work things out. Any conflict there was, or any conflict there has been with a player in the past, San Francisco has really shown it a point to work things out. Take Jimmy Garoppolo. You don't think in 2020 there wasn't some tension? You don't think this past year there wasn't some tension? The Niners have kind of, you know, they've prouded themselves on being able to communicate to players what's actually going on, being transparent with players. Jimmy Garoppolo... Trey Lance, I'm assuming during negotiations with George Kittle, with Fred Warner, with Eric Armstead, and now with Debo Samuel. Like, the the Niners were very clear. They're not going to trade him. We want you to be here. The only question was, when are you going to come to us so we can actually sit down and talk this thing out? How are we going to use you? How much money do you want? What works for both of us? In a three-year deal for $73.5 million maximum, that works out for both both parties. It's a win-win, and it's a great deal. I'm thankful Debo Samuel's back in San Francisco. Now we can actually maximize this Trey Lance rookie quarterback deal uh, to the fullest, and hopefully get ourselves what we've been looking for for, feels like, 30 years. And by this point, it might be (laughs) almost 30 years, that being a Super Bowl championship. Uh, But I want to move on to training camp. And before I do that, I want to remind you to use promo code 49ERSACCESS, 49ERSACCESS, for $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek. If you want to watch Debo Samuel play this year and you want to save some money, use that promo code 49ERSACCESS, 49ERSACCESS, for $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek. All right. Let's get into training camp. I went to training camp for a few days this past week and we've got a lot to talk about. We have a lot to talk about. And I know you want to hear, well, how was Trey Lance? Did he look good? How was the throwing motion? How was the hitch? Tell me everything. I'm going to make you wait. (laughs) And what I mean by that is I want to start on the defensive side of the football. And I want to start in the secondary. Now, we know how good this defensive line is. I know Eric Armstead's hurt for a little bit. Uh, the the MCL sprain, the sprained knee he suffered, should not cost him a game. Again, any injury you suffer uh, can be serious. And anytime you're missing multiple weeks, that can linger. It can cause an issue. So let's hope Armstead gets healthy again. Uh, and let's hopefully he doesn't miss time. He, I think he's played 71 of 71 games over the past like four or five years for San Francisco. Just incredible. He's been an Iron Man for the Niners since he signed that brand new contract uh, post-2019. Just, just incredible. Like since 2019 and on, I believe he's played 71 straight games, including playoffs. Just in- incredible what he's done. Uh, and so I don't really think this is going to hamper him 
this season. But again, keep your eye on it, and we'll see what happens. But that being said, the secondary, I mean, oh, oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> it, it's really hard to to express in words, which it's a podcast, so I have to. <laughs> it's really hard to express in words what Charvarius Ward, uh, the free agent acquisition from Kansas City last year, and Emmanuel Mosley have looked like. I mean, I'm talking not just one lockdown cornerback, I'm talking two lockdown cornerbacks. Now, I want to preface everything I say about training camp. Pads have not come on yet. They come on tomorrow, August 1st. This has been recorded July 31st after Debo signed his contract, after Saturday's training camp session, after the first week of training camp. No pads on yet. It's there. there are A lot of things change once pads come on. But that being said... Receivers are still out there making moves, running routes. DBs are still putting in work. And from what you can take away from the first week of practice, if things keep up this way, this may be, if not better, as good as the Harbaugh-era secondary with you know Goldson, Whitner, Carlos Rogers, and Chris Culliver, but... What I mean by that is they can be, you know, the best Niner secondary since then, but the expectations from what I saw in camp and from what everyone is saying, the Niners could have two lockdown cornerbacks. Like, we thought Mosley was good last year, and he was really good last year. Imagine having two lockdown cornerbacks and then having Jason Verrett and Ambry Thomas and Lenore. And you even have a veteran like maybe Dante Johnson who can play safety and cornerback. And Jimmy Ward's still there. And Talano Funga has looked really good. George Odom made a few good plays. Tarverius Moore had two interceptions. If he can be that guy, or he's a depth guy that can get you turnovers. I was talking on the radio uh, yesterday after practice, and I said, look, I said, you know, I think one person that has gone under the radar the past three years has been Tarverius Moore. You know, he he, he kind of showed out in 2020 during the pandemic season. Um, big hits, some fumble, uh, from some forced fumbles, uh, but a lot of dropped interceptions. If he can start coming down with those picks, he'll be a you know he'll be a a mainstay in the defense, albeit probably a rotational piece. But that being said, he had two picks on Saturday, and the knee looks healthy again. He right now again one week into camp. He is firmly that number two free safety and is going to be, if healthy and if he you know keeps up what he's doing, he's going to be uh, in that rotation at safety. Whether it's free safety or strong safety, he will give this team more versatility. But back to the cornerbacks. I mean, it really even the secondary as a whole. Ten interceptions through four practices. They had 11 through 15 last year. And that's due to... You know, Fred, Fred Warner has one, uh, Tarverius Moore has two, Charvarius Ward, I believe, only has one, but Hufunga has one. Again, you can go on and on and on, but, I mean, it's not that they're just being ball hawks, which they are. Like, these guys are around the ball constantly. George Odom had a pass or had a PBU that turned into an INT. Like, I'm, I'm telling you, the defense was good last year. And when you're a defense that has to go against Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf and 
you know, Allen Robinson and Cooper Cup and, you know, maybe even OBJ if he goes back to the Rams, like DeAndre Hopkins, AJ Green, Rondell Moore, uh, Marquise Brown. Again, this a- this NFC West is jam-packed full of good to great to elite receivers and San Francisco may have the best secondary out of the whole bunch now, which, I mean, if you would have told me that last year, I would have said, well, you know, let's see what Thomas does in year two. Can Mosley keep, you know, keep up what he did last year in 2021? You know, who's playing strong safety? Is it Tard? Is it Hufunga? Like, what's that going to look like? I'm telling you, one weekend, I don't want to, you know, overhype it. I don't want to, you know, get too excited, but... I mean, there, there's reasons to. There's reasons to be excited. There's reasons to overhype this thing because these guys look like they're gunning for the ball constantly. And it's not they're gunning for the ball, but they're bad in coverage. They're good in coverage. They're great. They're putting the clamps down in coverage. The only two times I saw maybe some broken coverage was Traverius Ward, who, again, it really wasn't broken coverage because Brandon Ayuk's a fantastic route runner. He just got behind him. And, like, it seemed like there may have been some miscommunication between Jimmy Ward and Traverius Ward. So, again, it's not like they're making mistake after mistake after mistake. And there wasn't many deep balls hit. And if they were, uh, it was, you know, towards the sideline, you know, 50 yards. It, It wasn't like it was over the middle of the field where guys had room to maneuver and run for Yak or, or make a bigger play. They were pushing these guys to the boundary, making sure if they're going to beat them, you're going to beat me by having to tiptoe and jump and leap for the ball, and you're going to have to make the receiver be vulnerable. Like, the Niners' defense looks good. I don't know what else to tell you. Like, the defensive line looks good. Nick Bosa, I mean, Nick Bosa coming back from injury last year, the question was, can he be what he was in 2019? And I think we all can agree he surpassed that. Now, add in no rehab. I mean, seeing Nick Bosa in person play, not just like, you know, at Levi Stadium or on TV, seeing him on the practice field, putting in work against guys like Trent Williams, and even like the backups, like Jalen Moore for a couple days, I understand backups, Bosa should win those. But when he was on the field with George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk, the rest of the defense... I mean, he was far and away the best player on the field on both sides. People want to say Trent Williams is the best player on this team, and I get why. You know, respect to Trent Williams. He's the best left tackle in football. Nick Bosa is the best player on this team. Like, I don't care what anyone says Nick Bosa, at least what I saw, he looks like the best player on this team. Like, hands down, bar none, if you ask me, put the entire 90-man roster in a line, Nick Bosa is the guy I'm pointing at when you say, who's the best guy on this roster? It's Nick Bosa, and it's not even close. I mean, Charles Amene, he looked really good in replacement of Eric Armstead after the injury. Uh, Ebukam looked pretty good in a few plays. Kevin Givens looked all right. Javon Kinlaw came back on Saturday doing first-team reps. Again, Kinlaw's going to be a run-stopper. You really can't quantify or, 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 or... you know, put into words what he's gonna or explain the impact he'll have on day one. First day back after season-ending knee surgery last year, he's gonna get worked into the defense slowly, Kyle Shanahan said. And, and again, once pads come on, 
the defense will look different. The offensive line will look different. And guys like Kinlaw and Ridgeway, who is now injured for a tiny bit with a quad injury, uh, they will look different. Their impact will be seen a little bit more than non-padded practices where you're just kind of, you know, trying to get the rhythm down, just trying to get back in the swing of things. And so it's hard to really explain what Javon Kinlaw looked like. He looked healthy, he looked big, and he looked leaner. And that's all you can ask for after day one, right? There was no residual injuries from what I know. You know, but first day back, he looks good. He looks healthy. He looks ready to go. And again, the defensive line of Nick Bosa, Javon Kinlaw, Eric Armstead, Amani Hugh, Drake Jackson looked pretty good. Um, albeit that's against second stringers. Uh, Ebukam looked good. Kevin Givens looked okay. There are plenty of defensive linemen on this team that could start elsewhere that are our second and third string guys. But they then helped the linebackers. Greenlaw, Fred Warner looked really good. Fred Warner, it's funny. The story he told about Brandon Ayuk of how he would kind of pick on him, I mean, it it shows. It shows that the the shows the leader that Fred Warner is. He's loud, a little obnoxious. He wants to get in guys' heads because, in his own words, I'm getting guys ready for war. I'm getting guys ready for battle, and I can tell you now, this Niners defense is ready for battle. They're chirping, you know, they're they're being loud, they're physical. Uh, Fred Warner laid out Juszczyk and Jeff Wilson Jr., <laughs> albeit on accident, it, but you can tell, like, they're ready to go. The way last year ended, uh, they're not happy, they're ready to bounce back, and they're excited. They know they're good. And when a team knows they're good, but works as hard as they do, you got some good things coming. And so... I spoke earlier about how when pads come on for guys like Javon Kinlaw, things will change. Uh, You can see their impact. But now I want to look at the other side of the ball because the offensive line really didn't look good. And what I mean by that is Trent Williams was not there for a handful of days. He had the birth of his child. Congrats to Trent Williams. Uh, Obviously, a reason to mispractice, bar none, like, yes, mispractice, have your baby, enjoy the the birth of your child. Um, McGlinchey's first day back was on Saturday as well, so there were some missing pieces uh, in the machine that is the offensive line. But it's interesting how the way they lined up. Colton McKivitz was a first-team guy for a little bit. Uh, Daniel Brunskill didn't take any first-team reps, as far as I'm aware. The days I was there, he was the second-string or second-team center, uh, and he had a few bad snaps that you know cost Lance some reps, or you know would have been sack or would have been broken play uh, that made Lance have to scramble out of the pocket. So uh, they're trying to figure things out. Kyle Shanahan said in his press conference that that they really didn't get a good idea of what the offensive line looked like in OTAs. And so the first week or so at training camp, they're still trying to figure things out and who goes where. And Kyle Shanahan said, any one of these guys can start. Like, we're having open competition pretty much outside of left tackle and right tackle, who which will be de facto to Williams and McGlinchey. Outside of that, left guard, center, and right guard, uh, those are up for grabs. And left guard Aaron Banks looks much better than he did last year. The footwork looks better. He's 
he, he got bigger. Uh, and what I mean by that is the size is better. The weight is more, is it, the weight is distributed that fits the system than it was last year. Last year he was, I don't want to say he was kind of clunky or, or maybe, you know, built more like a potato. And I don't mean that in a disparaging way, but he just wasn't built for the Shanahan offensive line. And this year, he got his body right. He looks better. He's been taking first-team reps at left guard. He looks a lot better. Jake Brendel has been the primary center. And Spencer Burford has actually looked fairly good at right guard. Now, again, that job could be Daniel Brunskill's. They just want to get him comfortable playing center and to see what he actually looks like because, I mean, this team really doesn't have a backup center. Now, if you want to say... The undrafted free agent from Arizona State, that being Donovan West, is a guy. I mean, he's a rookie. It's very rare on a team trying to win a championship like the Niners are, or that believe they can win a championship, that a undrafted free agent will start on a team at center, especially after losing Alex Mack and knowing the importance Kyle Shanahan you know, has at that position. He wants a veteran guy there, which is why you're probably not going to see a Jason Poe or Donovan West there. Those guys are probably going to be practice squad guys simply because they're good or you know, the potential is there. A little undersized, not an NFL shape just yet. They can get there, but right now the starting offensive line, in my opinion, will probably be Trent Williams, Aaron Banks, Jake Brendel. Could be Burford, but if you know things go back and revert back to how they were last year... Daniel Brunskill probably gets that job back to kind of solidify the right side of the offensive line next to McGlinchey because you have no idea what McGlinchey's going to be like after the quad injury. So, again, a lot of question marks there. There wasn't really any answers in camp. And you're not going to get them the first week. You'll hear reports of this guy looked okay and that guy looked okay. And in this podcast, you'll hear, well, this guy looked bad, this guy looked good, but... The offensive line and, and the, the defensive line, really, you can't tell. Now, the quarterback stuff, the receiver stuff, the cornerback stuff, the, the the secondary stuff are a lot easier to kind of, you know, put two and two together and and kind of come to a conclusion of what you believe they'll look like or, or how they're doing and actually make a scouting report for those players. But the offensive line and defensive line are, are really hard to kind of digest and dissect when the pads ain't on yet. So with that said, let's move to the running back room, then we'll talk Trey Lance and the receivers. The running back room this year, it looks very much like it did last year. Elijah Mitchell is running back one. Uh, Jermichael Hasty will likely be the pass catching back this year, simply because Trey Sermon looks a lot bigger and he can easily push Hasty out of that pass catching role. But Trey Sermon looks healthy, he looks bigger, he looks like he's ready to roll. And I said it before, you give this team the read option, Trey Sermon will thrive. The offense he was put in last year, not to say that's not going to be similar, but what he did at Ohio State was not what he was doing last year. Like Trey Sermon is a very specific running back. He can pass catch a little bit. Read options are his strength. He looked he looked pretty good in camp. The body looked there. The speed looked there. But other guys like Tyrion Davis-Price, their third-round pick this year, 
He looked shifty, and there were a few times him and Jordan Mason, the the undrafted free agent this year, or the rookie. Uh, there were a few times they were mixing it up in the pile and you know in the tackles, and they were making cuts, and then there was nobody around them. And there were a handful of times where uh, they're breaking off some big runs. They look explosive. They look shifty, and so I mean. If you're asking me to give you, you know, a top four running back room this year, who who are the four guys? I'm going Elijah Mitchell, Trey Sermon, uh, Ty Davis Price, and it's either going to be Hasty or it's either going to be Mason. Like, I have a hard time believing Jeff Wilson Jr. can make room for himself on this roster unless, unless San Francisco says Mason goes to the practice squad and we're going to carry five running backs. And they might do that. They may they may elect to keep five running backs over a sixth receiver. And that very well might be the case. Because right now, there really is not one name you look at and you say, you're the sixth receiver. It's Debo. It's Ayuk. It's Jawan Jennings. It's Danny Gray. It's, uh, it's McLeod. And that's it. You're thinking, who else is a lock for this team? Well, Malik Turner looked pretty good. Marcus Johnson, uh, he has some chemistry. But I will say this with the receivers, there's a lot of speed. I mean, Juwan Jennings said it right the first time. When he was speaking about Danny Gray, he goes, I don't know much, but he's fast and he makes plays. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's that's really what it comes down to with this offense. They're really fast, and they can make some plays. Now, Debo Samuel is really fast, he can make some plays, and he's really physical. Brandon Ayuk, he's really fast, he's a great route runner, and he can he has one of the best catch radiuses in football. Like, the receivers this year, and they, again, they can easily keep five. Like, there's no one that really stands out to be the true number sixth guy, because... They brought in guys like McLeod and like even Oren Burks on defense to be the special teams guy. So you're not going to keep Keyshawn Johnson to be that guy as well. And unless they feel the need to keep another burner in case guys like Gray and McLeod struggle or they're needed elsewhere, uh, to me the job currently is really between two guys, Malik Turner and Marcus Johnson. And I think my money would be on Marcus Johnson at the moment. But again, we got whole training camp to go. We got, you know, three weeks of preseason. A lot can change. I will hopefully be going back to camp next weekend. And I can give you a better idea of what everything looks like once pads are on. But that being said, uh, we have to talk about Trey Lance. Because we all know... The transition period from Jimmy Garoppolo to Trey Lance was always going to be maybe a little bumpy. And not when it came to the organization side, but when it came to the fan base side. There is there are a certain chunk of this fan base that still want Jimmy Garoppolo. And Jimmy Garoppolo was at camp. Uh, he wasn't doing drills, but you know he's doing his throwing routine. And he was in good spirits. Uh, I think Nick Wagoner talked to him for a little bit. I think Cam Inman talked to him for a little bit. And you know they talked about how... You know, Jimmy was in a good mood. He, he he was smiling. He was being Jimmy Garoppolo. It looked like outside of him not being quarterback one that, you know, he was just being Jimmy. That nothing had changed. Um, that being said, Trey Lance. Oof, 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 oof. And I don't mean that 
in a bad way. I mean that in a where do I start way. <laughs> so, um, Trey Lance, Trey Lance is an interesting, interesting guy when it comes to his his tape on the field. I guess you can say like like what he looks like and what he's shown in practice and in training camp so far. Because again, there was so little tape on him coming out of college where. Fans don't really know what he's like. Like, if you haven't seen him play in person, and even in the ten quarters he has played, it's really hard to get a to get an idea of what he's like as a player. Some think he's a bust. Some think he's Mahomes 2.0. I think that's wishful thinking. Uh, and again, I I hope that as well. But from what I saw at camp, Trey Lance. One, I will say, the mechanics are a lot better. It there, it's quicker. The ball isn't you know down near his hip. It's you know it, it it's out a lot faster. Like Trey Lance said himself, when asked, "Have you been trying to fix your mechanics?" His response was, "I'll just say this: I've been throwing the football a lot." Now, to me, that was an indication that told me that he has not stopped throwing since last season ended. That Trey Lance knew. He was going to have to be quarterback one this year. He knew that he had to get ready and fix whatever was wrong, whatever the Niners deemed to be wrong, by week one. And it was going to take time. And the whole arm fatigue conversation, I think, stemmed from that because he was throwing so much. And I'm sure one day he was like, oh, my arm's kind of tired. Not because you know it was going to be an issue, because the arm fatigue is... You know, it's 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 so funny because it, it's not real. Like he looked perfectly fine. Like the arm fatigue is not a thing. But I do believe that because he was throwing so much, and again, it from what I saw, it looked like it worked. The mechanics looked far better, but because he was throwing so much, the arm probably got tired. But to me, that is more so proof of the work ethic Trey Lance has, where he knows. That I'm the guy now. It's on my shoulders. I have to make sure that I'm right before I start telling guys they need to get right. I have to hold myself accountable before I hold st- before I hold guys like Kittle and Debo and Ayuk and the, the names go on and on and on. That I have to hold them accountable too. You know how do I prove to these veteran guys who have been to Pro Bowls and Super Bowls and championship games? And played in those games and been successful in those games. How do I, in my 22-year-old, you know, 10 quarters of experience, how do I tell them and keep them accountable when I can't keep myself accountable? Well, Trey Lance is doing that. He's keeping himself accountable. He's going out there. He's proving with his work ethic that I have to get right before I can tell somebody else they have to get right. And it shows. Yes, there were some accuracy issues. Trey Lance, uh, there. I'll be honest with you, there were a few times he just whiffed on guys. Uh, but thankfully, uh, the, accuracy issue, the accuracy issues outside of one throw that I saw in the handful of days that I was there, there was only one inaccurate throw over the middle. And yes, he threw a pick to Fred Warner, but I'm talking about over the middle, the receiver's open, like n- not a bad decision, I'm speaking about inaccuracy. There's a big difference there. You can make a bad decision and throw an interception, but still be accurate to your target if that makes sense. Now, you may not. You can just not see Fred Warner, 
and still see your target and, and the ball could be right to him, but the guy's right in front of him. Like, those are different things. But there were there was only a, one time over the middle where Lance was inaccurate, threw behind Brandon Ayuk, hit a kind of jump up and turn, and the, the ball hit the ground, obviously. But the one thing that stood out to me was the Niners were practicing out routes, which is very common during practice. And when Trey Lance would miss, it was high and over his head where nobody else could catch the ball. Now again, in these drills, you want to be accurate. You want to make sure your receiver catches the ball. But if you're going to be inaccurate, what's the best thing? Do you want to be high and behind someone over the middle of the field? Or do you want to be high and out of reach from everybody on the boundary? Where no one can get it and the ball's dead. What was the one thing we always talked about with Jimmy Garoppolo? Throw it away! Throw it away! Well, Trey Lance, from whether it's on purpose or not, he's throwing the ball away. <laughs> so... Uh, I don't think the accuracy is too big of an issue. I do think there is some inconsistencies with it. Um, I think Kurt Warner had a tweet that said, you know, comp percentage, completion percentage is very misleading because that doesn't account for good defense. It doesn't account for maybe, you know, drops and on and on and on. And I think that's right to a certain point. I do think you can get a good idea of what someone's like, but... Like we saw in training camp, or we saw in preseason last year, where Ayuk dropped a few passes against the Chiefs. Um, Lance also just missed guys against Kansas City and the Chargers. And, like, again, that's a mixed bag there of the receiver dropped the ball that also hurts his percentage, but then Lance had some bad throws. Like, he's, he literally skipped the pass to George Kittle against the Seahawks, I believe in like week four. Like, those are bad throws, but in camp, I didn't see any of those issues. Um, again, he does need to be more consistent. Uh, there were times where Lance would make an amazing throw. Uh, I put on my Twitter, you know, the 50-yard the bomb to Ayuk to the sideline, where he's only putting balls where his receivers can catch them. Like, perfectly placed, beautiful balls on the sideline to Kittle for 40 yards and Ayuk for 50. Like, I'm, t- I'm telling you, like, Mahomes, Josh Allen, elite quarterback stuff. He makes the amazing throw that gets you excited and go, oh, we got the guy. But then he does stuff where, whether he's rushed, it's hard to tell from my vantage point in camp, but he also does some stuff where you're like, man, like, you just got to kind of, like, like, the throws that maybe you're rushing or the throws he's inaccurate on, are throws that anybody, any quarterback, should be able to make. And I'm not sure if that's him trying to be consistent with the mechanics or him feeling rushed in the pocket because his first-team offensive line isn't there. I'm not entirely sure. But again, when it comes to Trey Lance, it's the one thing I preached, is being consistent, being efficient. You know, you can hate Jimmy all you want. Five yards here, five yards there first down. Three yards here, two yards there, six yards there, first down. With Lance, it kind of seems like it's incompletion, two yards, 50-yard bomb, zero yards, two yards, three yards, four and out. And I think with Lance, and and that happens repeatedly, where it's like, eh, not great, not great, not great. Oh my god, amazing throw, elite type throw, not great, Pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. That's good. 
And you're just like, where is the consistency here? You're having three elite-type throws, four really good throws, and then you're having 15 questionable throws. And again, that isn't to say that those balls aren't being caught or the receivers aren't making good plays on the ball, because they are. Like, they're just yesterday, Lance had three throws that were on-the-money, beautiful passes. And you're like, if you can just do that consistently, like, this team is going to go places that they haven't gone since 95. And that's saying something. And I guess you can say they've been there since 95, but haven't actually clinched the game since 95. But that being said, like, what I saw from Trey Lance was promising. There's building blocks there. He looks better than he did last year. If that makes you feel more comfortable, Trey Lance looks better than he did last year. The mechanics look tighter. They look smoother. They look shorter. The ball's coming out of his hand with velocity. There was a play in camp where Jimmy Ward was the incoming defender. Lance let it rip, and he threw it right past Jimmy Ward, uh, who was guarding George Kittle, and it went right into Kittle's hands, and he ran for 15 yards. It was like a 40-yard completion with some yak. And it was just like, you're sitting there like, wow. Okay, like, that that's, that's the potential this kid has, this guy has. But again, then there's some stuff where you're like, ah. like, if you can just tighten that up a little bit, you don't got to be perfect. Like, no one's saying be perfect. But if you can have those four to three elite throws a game, have ten good throws, and limit the questionable ones to, like, two or three, and you put together 20 to 25 throws a game where you're like, Jesus, 50 yards here, 50 yards there, 30 yards there. The good throws have, you know, 7, 8, 15 yards with some yak, and the bad ones don't get picked off. Or, again, I'm trying to explain something very clearly here, and I I, I think I'm doing a good job, but for all it's worth, and for a lack of, you know, a long story here, uh, Trey Lance is going to be fine. There are going to be the home run plays. It's all about being consistent. Because what he can do physically is there. The arm strength is there. The arm fatigue does not exist. The mechanics, from what I can tell, are fixed. I just think if you give him the first team offensive line, you give him Debo, let the pads get on, in preseason, once he gains the confidence that he can be the guy, I think that's already there. But like he knows it's his team. In press conference, he, he's, he's joking around. He's having a good time. You, know, you can tell he is devoted to playing football. He's not going to be like Kyler Murray and need to have, you know, in his contract, you must study for four hours. Like This kid put in five months of work, seven months of work to fix his mechanics. You know how hard it is to reteach your body? It's almost... It's impossible to some people. He did it in seven months, and he looks much better. Again, I'm not putting any expectations on him. It's not fair. It's one week. It's not even fair to do it in in five weeks. Let him grow. But from what I saw in training camp, from what I can tell you I've seen, 
the potential is there. What you've heard, all the good things you've heard are true. The speed is there. He outran Nick Bosa. Like, he evaded Nick Bosa in the pocket, scrambled, and hit a strike to Jawan Jennings. Like, again, there are elite things we're seeing. It's about making the in-between from elite and bad, making the in-between really good. It's not it's not there yet, but the building blocks of success are there. Give him some time, and I, I do think he will be there. Especially in this offense with the newly re-signed Debo Samuel, George Kittle, the safety net, and the chemistry between him and Ayuk is just something else. Like, you want to talk about potentially our next Terrell Owens and Jeff Garcia stuff? Like, that tandem was really good. Like... I'm talking like Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Carson Palmer, Chad Johnson, like stuff like that. Where or you know, Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, Drew Brees, Marcus Colston, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones. I'm not gonna put like I'm not saying he is they're gonna be like those guys. I'm just saying that the potential to be like those quarterback receiver tandems is there. And that doesn't even account for how good Debo Samuel is and George Kittle are like the exciting stuff is there we just have to hope they can unfold and hope these guys can reach that potential Debo Samuel is re-signed the Niners are back in business on Monday that being tomorrow when the podcast comes out so I guess technically today pads are back on practice starts I believe at 10 15 I won't be there tomorrow I'm hoping I'll be there later this week to give you another training camp report. A lot of good stuff happened this week. Training camp was phenomenal. Some good, some bad. A lot of questions to answer. One of the biggest questions was answered. Debo Samuel is back in town, back with San Francisco until 2025. Until his age 30 season where then he can figure out what he wants to do after that. But until then, we got Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, Trent Williams, Eric Armstead, Fred Warner all locked up for a hopeful championship run in the next three seasons, and if not more. If that's not good news, I don't know what is. To celebrate week two of training camp, maybe they can get the Jimmy Garoppolo stuff figured out too. Hopefully that's next. Hopefully that's next. We'll see what happens. But I want to tell you before we go to follow us on social media. If I'm going to training camp, I'll let you know. But to know that, you have to follow us on Twitter, 49ers underscore access. That's the Twitter account. The Instagram, 49ers.access. All the latest Niner news, updates, hot takes. What I'm seeing at training camp, you are not going to want to miss it. On the flip side, you're going to want to use that promo code 49ers access for $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek. Go see Trey Lance in person. See what he's like. Tell me what you think in the DMs, on the Twitter, on the Instagram. And also, our newest sponsor, Fanatics. That link is going to be in the description of the podcast. Click that link in the description to support the show. My name is Sterling Bennett. And this has been the Fortnite Access Podcast. And until next time, stay faithful. Then pulled off with a friend. How he get that? Just know we got it in. Gave my partner 50 cent. He shot men and men. If it's us versus them, who you think gonna win? If it's us versus them.